Were the 1980s the best decade for busting ghosts? We ask a ghost hunter. His answer might scare you. Once again, it's time for the idiots. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. Welcome to another episode of The Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of idiots, and I'm one of those idiots. My name is Will, and joining me, as always, is my friend and co-host and the man who tells me that I speak too quickly on the podcast, Ray. How's everybody doing? See, I just caught myself doing that really fast. It wasn't that bad. And If you want, I could just talk faster, too, so that it all works out. No, no. Your Midwest sensibilities need to ground my East Coast frenetic energy. Oh, okay. Um, we won't do that then. And later we'll be joined by a guest who will help us determine whether the 1980s was the best decade for ghost busting when Greg Faketic joins us in the rumpus room. But first, further proof that the 80s was the best decade for pop culture, here's 80s news. So just a couple of weeks ago, um, I don't know if you caught the 2019 Tony Awards. Uh, no. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you did What are those? They're the T and EGOT, and I know you know what that is, mm. Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. So oh, the Tony oh, Awards are sense. obviously, as Ray knows, as he pretends he doesn't know, awards that are giving uh, out to uh, Broadway productions and other theatrical awards related to professional theater. So of interest to me in the Tony Awards were that there were two 80s movies converted into Broadway musicals, both of which were nominated for multiple Tony Awards, and one that won at least one particular award. Now you have my attention. Okay. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to name off a bunch of movies from the 80s that were turned into Broadway musicals, one of which is not true. And among those will be the two that were nominated this year in Tony Awards. Okay. So here we go. Nine to five. There's a lot of them too, so just pay attention. Nine to five, Beetlejuice, Big, Color Purple, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Flashdance, Fame, Footloose, Ghost, the Golden Child, Hairspray, The Last Starfighter, Pretty Woman, Tootsie, Toxic Avenger, Xanadu. One of those. Now, here's the craziest thing about this, Ray. Only one wasn't ever turned into a musical. I would think there's like four or five in there. Do you know which one is fake? My gut instinct is to go with Toxic Avenger, but I'm going to say 9 to 5. You're right. Toxic Avenger was made into a musical. You're wrong. 9 to 5 was also made into a Ooh. musical. The correct answer is The Golden Child, which I kind of just ah. was counting on maybe the volume of uh, movies I threw at you there. Yeah, that's okay. But I do, I'm going to go with, I think the one that got something was Flashdance. You know, that's a great guess, and it may have <laughs> won in prior years. I don't know. Um, but uh, this year, up for Tony Awards were uh, the musicals Beetlejuice and Tootsie, with Tootsie winning for Best Book in a Musical, which is the which are the words spoken in a musical, and also they won for Best Actor in a Musical. Uh, that that's rigged. Tootsie won. You know, I was I'm, I'm most surprised on this list that well, Tox Avenger, Toxic Avenger was is surprising to me, but also that someone made the last Starfighter into a musical, which you know I love that movie. Can't imagine as a, as in a musical. Um, it never made it to Broadway. It was some uh, small theater in New York. Um, but still, um, you know, you could write your own, or you could just go to the library right. and squiggle through the DVDs and go, "Oh, look, The Breakfast Club, the musical." Hang on, that I'm I gotta, about I to get write this down. Hang on, yeah. Breakfast Club. All right, I'm going to yeah, start yeah. working on that. Start working on it. Another bit of '80s news I wanted to touch base with you on the commercial for Renault, the car in Brazil. Yes. That featured the Dungeons & Dragons characters come to life from the 1980s uh, Saturday morning cartoon. What did you think about that? I absolutely loved the commercial. Would you like to see a live action? I, yes. I want to see a live action Dungeons & Dragons movie. I want it to be just like the cartoon, and I want Danny DeVito to oh. play Dungeon Master. Oh, okay. So Danny DeVito, I could that would be hilarious. And I think he's perfect. Probably very good, yeah. You know, you say you want it to be just like the cartoon. The, the commercial for me really captured that. The casting was great. The spirit of it. This is something I would go to the theater and watch. Yeah, and um, 
you know, it gave us a resolution. All of the episodes were them trying to get back to that uh, carnival or festival that they were. You know, it just occurred to me. It wasn't Land of the Lost the same thing, right? You went to a ride and they... Uh, yeah, actually it was. With they a log flume ride. They, they probably ripped it off well, from there. there you go. But at the end of this commercial, they're back home. Um, I think there's like kind of a, you know, the end sort of question mark ending to it, right? There's a, maybe a bad guy that pops up at the end. But yeah, I would love to see that too. I could see it as a series, a Netflix series would be amazing. I would watch that for sure. Yeah, I can't understand why it hasn't happened already. It just boggles my mind with the popularity of Dungeons and Dragons right now that they haven't done anything with it. You're right. It is strange that we don't have it now since, and I know we'll have a D&D episode and I, I really look forward to that. But with the popularity on the rise among young people, especially, and the technology we have for special effects, um, yeah, why don't we have one? Were you a fan of that the movie that they did do? What was that? In the, that wasn't even in the eighties, was it? The um, the one Dungeons and Dragons movie we do well, have. They've done three. Oh, okay, but only one, one made it to the theater. Oh, okay. and it had a Wayans in it. So right, it, I enjoy it for what it is. I would refer to it as a one-off, <laughs> right. which is a term for a, a game you're only going to play one time. Oh, I see. So that's what it is to me. It's a one-off. I enjoyed it. I didn't hate it. A lot of people hate it. So it's not in the VHS collection. Well, I own it on DVD. So oh, I see. Well, then that, you know, and that says something because if you really liked it, you'd have the VHS copy. And the third thing I wanted to talk about in '80s news leads us right into our topic of the day. That there's a whole uh, some very interesting things that have come out about the new installment of the Ghostbusters movie. The, the new Ghostbusters movie, which we're told is going to be a sequel to the uh, original two films um, that were directed by Ivan Reitman. Um, now his son, Jason, is working on those. We got a release date sometime in 2020, which is awesome because it's you know hard to believe it's, it's just about a year away at this point. Some interesting things uh, came out about that. In particular, this week, just about, about a week ago, there was a Ghostbusters fan fest, which was hosted by Wizard World. And some interesting things came out of there, that, and I wanted to get your opinion on one of them was, and I think you'd appreciate this, was that one of the things uh, Jason Reitman said that he wanted to do with this new film is, quote, scare children. Uh, your feelings about the original Ghostbusters, is it comedy horror? Is it comedy horror or is it just straight up comedy? Uh, in my opinion, it's a straight up comedy. There's nothing scary about Ghostbusters, in my opinion. And you were two, well, you were probably 13 or so, when the 12 or 13 when the movie came out in 84. So yeah, I was 12. So and we've talked about how you've you, you had seen many horror movies probably by then. Yeah, the, I, I don't consider it in a horror movie in any way, shape, or form. It's a comedy. So he wants to make this one scarier, it seems. And the the other thing that he said that was encouraging was that he wants to quote uh, make a love letter to the original movie. Well, and that's a good thing. Yeah. That's um, that's what you want. In Ghostbusters. You want it to feel like that first movie. You want Bill Murray to be happy enough to come back because if they don't get Bill back, they got problems. Right. And actually, we could talk about those folks in just a moment. But one other thing that came out about came out at FanFest, which was really fascinating to me, was that he said in making this film, one of the things he asked uh, Columbia for, the, the, the production company, was for the original dailies from from the first movie, you know, so it's footage that uh, uh, might not necessarily have been in the movie. And he said they found footage that's never been used, wasn't hadn't been otherwise seen, and they actually showed some of it at this festival. Um, and he said he can't reveal why this is important and what he intends to do with it. But just hearing that, the possibilities, you know, sort of start flying through my mind, and it's even more exciting now. Yeah, I, I'm excited for that one. I'm looking forward to Ghostbusters 3. I think it's going to be awesome. What are we looking at? You're showing old footage. Are we looking at time travel? Are we looking at flashbacks? Yes. My guess, based on Aykroyd's original idea, I think we're going to go into the time travel aspect of the movie now. Okay. um, For for people that don't know, what was the original concept? Uh, Originally, the Ghostbusters would travel through time and across worlds. To bust ghosts, and it was just a job like any other job. So there's other Ghostbusters and and whatnot. So, but because of the restraints at the time, the studio said we're not spending the money on this, and the technology is not there yet. So, with the CGI better now, should they do Aykroyd's original script, which I would have done instead of the reboot of Ghostbusters a couple of years ago? Yeah. Well, you know, I have read. Um the, the treatment or the summary of that original story, and I agree with you. It sounds it sounded fascinating. I would love to see that, and I think we do live more in an era where that kind of time travel, all, all you know, reality bending story would uh, work. 
you know, um, the Avengers Endgame is a good example of that. Anything with time travel in it, I love. That's all I need to know is it's got time travel, you know. So that would be, I would, yes, personally, to your question, I would love to see that. And, I, and I'm trying to remember who said it, but um, and maybe it was uh, one of the Reitmans, again, teasing what's to come. But they said that what they're doing in this film, you've never seen done before. And I'm sure all, they always say that, right, to get you to start filling seats early already. But that type of script, yeah, we haven't seen certainly time-traveling, <laughs> reality-bending Ghostbusters before, if you want to be that specific. Belushi. Yeah. Do you think he would have made a good Ghostbuster? Would the Blues Brothers have had been Fighting good? Ghosts. Yeah. What, I mean, so it's kind of weird to think about it that way, but when you say Aykroyd Belushi, I immediately go to the Blues Brothers. Right. But they were also in a movie called Neighbors. Sure. Where yep. Aykroyd's the silly one and Belushi's more of a straight guy. Right. And even in, you know, in, even in Ghostbusters, he plays a more straight-laced, uh, uptight character than he does right. as uh, uh, in, in Blues Brothers. I, I don't know. And, and so it was Bill Murray that stepped in when Belushi obviously couldn't be in it because he had yeah, passed away. Um, Harold Ramis um, is brought on to rewrite the script with Aykroyd. And he's the one who says, I've worked with Murray. We ne- we'll go get him and he'll fill the void. And then eventually Ramus or Harold becomes the, the, oh, the third, third the third Ghostbuster. I can't imagine it without Bill Murray. Um, no. He's got such a unique uh, talent and personality and what he brings to movies. Um, nothing against John Belushi. I love the Blues Brothers and some of his other films. But yeah, it's Peter Venkman. I don't know. I can't imagine anyone but Bill Murray. And, and keep in mind, though, it's a completely different movie that he's writing for him and Belushi. So... When, when they Harold, were time traveling. Right. When Harold Ramis comes in, they rewrite the whole thing yeah. to set it in modern day. And they just, it's such an amazing thing for Aykroyd to be able to say, here's my baby, do what you want with it. Because I don't know if I could do that after having written a 60, 70 page story and just go, hey, buddy, just rewrite the whole thing for me and I'll help. And, yeah, you know, I'll just let somebody else throw my jokes away and. Yeah, and 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 it, as you know, I mean, it happens so so often that um, these things get rewritten and rewritten and all, and and actually because of the Writers Guild uh, rules, you'll see one, maybe two names uh, attributed to the authorship of a screenplay, and there could have been fifty people that you know played a role. Uh, and you bring up um, Aykroyd and and uh, Bill Murray; it's they're confirmed to be in it, and, and we just learned that Sigourney Weaver is going to be back also playing Dana Barrett. Um, Annie Potts, who played uh, Janine, mm-hmm. is, she hasn't admitted it yet, but it seems like some comments she's made in interviews have uh, intimated that she's going to be back too. Do you think we'll get the, the white whale, Rick Moranis, who hasn't been in, in a film in a long time, and you know he had some tragedy in his life, so it forced him into retirement. But I think this is the moment in time he comes back for a movie and just... Blows it out of the water because he was perfect in that movie for that role. I think they're going to keep it a secret as long as they can. So, you know, we were talking uh, before we got on the show just some basic stuff about Ghostbusters. It was released 35 years ago. Yep. You know, if, if, you, if a year, an anniversary ends at a zero or five, it's somehow more special than <laughs> others for whatever reason. Uh, and at the time, the budget was 25 to 30 million. Uh, and you were telling me about the. Um, about the gross, though, how what you what you read, they learned we made much more money in the United States than they made anywhere else. Yeah, it was just shy of like three hundred million um, total, but I think like two hundred and fifty, you know, of it was here in America. So, like when we were kids, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing a Ghostbusters shirt. That, yep. that ghost inside the circle, it was everywhere. Yeah, you couldn't escape within months. The merchandising was. Yeah, it was out there. huge. We do have to hit on um, the virtual reality with uh, Dan and Ernie out there at the uh, Wizard World. Oh, the yeah. The Omaze people had that contest where a lucky person won to go virtual virtual reality ghost hunting with Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson. And the, the, the videos on YouTube, I, I would highly recommend going. It's hilarious to just watch them because... They have the goggles on, right. and they're walking around with the guns, and, <laughs> and Aykroyd's there, and he's just, you know, he's just, he's Aykroyd. I mean, he's amazing no matter what he does, so. But it's it's so cool to just see them. You don't get to see what they see, 
Right. <laughs> that makes it more fun. But you can see them yelling and, you know, the one's got the trap and everything and, and they've got the gun. So that's an amazing thing for, you know, the fans. And they had a big uh, competition to pick a winner. So, but it, um, if they released that as a home game, would you buy it? Uh, yes. You know, I've been fascinated with those VR headsets. It looked like it was fun. So. I didn't win, by the way. So oh. I, I wish I did. Now I'd have a much more interesting story. <laughs> End of story. Yeah. Those <laughs> things usually go for a lot of money. So kids, you know, stay in school, get a good job, make some money so you can uh, then give it to charity to do something cool with a, a celebrity. So you said Ghostbusters you didn't think it was scary. Nope. Have you ever been scared by an actual ghost in your real life? Um, yes. When I was a kid... I was going to bed, and I heard a voice that I did not recognize say very clearly, will you wake up if I turn on the lights? Hmm. You're not saying he was had a Spanish accent. I left out, because, I left out because the Spanish of what I said part before. because you said it sounded bad. <laughs> no, I didn't say I said it sounded bad. What I said was, if we're on the air, I may, this is what I would say, I'll say it sounded bad just because it, right, it would be funny. Because it would be funny. Yes, tr- fine, fine. The ghost had a Spanish accent, yeah. and no one who lived in my house at the time was Spanish. Mm-hmm. But I was terrified. Yeah. I laid there for hours just with my eyes closed, just listening to see if I could hear anything. So I'm going to ask you all the true, you know, tr- tr- typical skeptic questions. W- was there any chance you were actually sleeping? No. Dreaming? No? Nope. Okay. But there is the chance that the TV was on in another room, hmm. and I just heard what I wanted to hear. And when we talk to Greg Faketic later, maybe he can help understand why or what uh, either supernatural or reasonable explanation. You, you obviously right. Yeah, maybe it was just a TV set or something like that. I don't recall ever having any real ghost experience. Maybe it's like in, in Beetlejuice. You remember the um, handbook for the recently deceased says that uh, uh, living people ignore the strange and unusual, but Lydia thinks she's able to see ghosts because she herself is strange and unusual. And you are, in the very least, peculiar. Um, so maybe, he, as a child, you were open-minded to these things, or expect, did you did you understand what a ghost was at this at this point? Well, once you, again, I watched a lot of horror okay, movies so, growing up. Right. So yeah, so and I liked anything with supernatural, horror, Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster stuff. I loved all that stuff. So, and I, I, um, we had Big Chuck and Little John here in Ohio. So right. um, they showed horror movies and. They, they were all silly movies, but they, they did show some scarier some, ones sometimes. So, And that was a big deal for us to stay up and watch those. Right. So then you go to bed, you probably give you nightmares. Yes, true. Um, I, I do remember having some experiences like that, nightmares, not actual ghost experiences, because, yeah, my dad was watching something that I sat in for too long on, and my, my parents were not unlike yours, except I was just terrified, so I would never take them up on it, but it was always, hey, come on in, you can watch this, this is fine, and then someone gets decapitated, and I'm out, why didn't you tell me, you know, but, um, yeah, and then you go to bed, and you have, you're terrified, you know, lying in the, you can't let body parts hang off the bed, uh, I had a nightlight for many years as a young person. I think I was in high school before I got rid of it. Eventually, I learned to love the dark. But um, although we talked about this before, a lot of weird stuff happens all the time, and we don't know what it is. My first thought is not that must be a ghost. It's usually either either there's a logical explanation like the TV, or you just don't know. Have you ever used a Ouija board? I, I have, and so you were saying about your love of cryptids and and all those you know types of things when you were a kid. I I was fascinated by those things. I was scared of them. And so this led me to do a lot of reading to figure out, well, what's really going on? And sometimes I would get answers that would give me comfort. Other times I was reading something that made me more scared. Eventually this had me, you know, ground as many things in logic and reason. That gave me comfort that I could sleep at night, you know, balancing out against potential for great anxiety. Um, You, you would go on a... Well, I grew up with two brothers, so we would be in the bathroom going bloody mary bloody mary bloody mary yeah. and trying to get the ouija board <laughs> summon devils and whatever else right so. yes that that's was what, fun that's what three brothers do right yes i don't know i guess <laughs> um but so my only experience is and this was as i got older because i became such a cynic and skeptic and i really liked the uh, i've like um you know what houdini was doing you know when he was alive as far as debunking people that were ripping people off with seances and stuff like that and amazing randy is another guy you know uh, who's uh, debunked stuff and Penn and Teller even to some extent. Um, so 
finding those people gave me great comfort to realize that not everything I learn about is necessarily real. And so flash, fast forward to being an adult, yeah, I played with the Ouija board in college. My, my, one of my roommates, my buddy, had one, and he was, he's, he's probably still is, superstitious. Um, he had it. And then, then I'm more of the Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary side like you when you were younger. God, it took me a while to get there. So yeah, I was like, let's get this out and see what we can yeah, do. And you know, can he do. was like, I want no part of that. Um, so yeah, no, we didn't get any good response. I didn't get any ghosts to come and haunt me or possess me. Nothing. No, we never got an evil spirit to come and kill us or anything like that, which was disappointing. Wait a second, unless this is like the sixth sense right now, and I find out you've been <laughs> dead this whole time. You were killed as a young man by Bloody Mary. I don't know. I still have to go to work and stuff, so it doesn't feel like so I'm dead. the afterlife sucks is what you're here to tell <laughs> us. So was that the only time you used a Ouija board? Uh, no, we've used them a bunch of times at my house. <laughs> we uh, We just kept trying, you know. You remind me that the one thing I kept threatening to do to my college roommate was I wanted to take his Ouija board or get one and make a mouse pad out of it. <laughs> so that, you know, this is in the 90s when I'm in college, late 80s, early 90s. Every time I'm using that mouse, who knows what's going to be happening. I was expecting like, a, you know, some kind of a portal, a portal, a portal straight to <laughs> the netherworld to open up. But it didn't. You know, I often think... It, it, wouldn't that be interesting? Like, that would really make life interesting, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of them will make you deals. And okay. then you can be rich and famous. I want to be able to play the blues guitar <laughs> <laughs> really well. I want to be able to battle uh, with a fiddle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and send the devil back. Well, if, if he actually came back now, it would be a DJ battle. Oh, I can handle that, I yeah. think. So yeah, I think you'd be okay. Yeah. Although he would, um, you know, like in the Charlie Daniels song, he would have some kind of advantages. You know, you remind me, <laughs> my friend and I were, DJ, were battling. We battled against a group who I will not even say their name now. It's been like 30 years I won't say their name. But they, they were, it was the two of us, and we had enough technology to DJ one person at a time. You know, two turntables and a mixer. That's all we needed. We didn't even have a microphone, as Beck would say. But these guys, there were like three of them DJing at the same time like two turntables for each of them, making music out of, you know, six tracks of music. So that's what my Charlie's Daniel stitch. I already had it. <laughs> I lost, and I lost horribly. Man, there goes horribly your soul. outmatched. You're right. I would be, yes. Yeah, you lost your soul okay. in a battle. You're right. So like, I, I did lose my soul. Well, I think it's time to test your, oh. your Ghostbusters knowledge. Okay. Here. I got 10 questions for you. Okay. And as usual, you got to get eight right. And that is 80%. All right, here we go. I have a radical idea. We cross the streams. you got to give me the character that says that. I have a radical idea. We cross the streams. Peter Venkman. And oh, my God. It's Egon. Oh, he was my second guess. You're, you're off to yeah. a okay, okay. lousy If start. I get too wrong off the bat, it's a lot of pressure. Okay, I'm not going to rush into it this time. Think about it. Yep. Take your time. Human sacrifices. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. That's Peter Venkman. That's sure. Peter Venkman. I just, you know, Ghostbusters is a movie I use in normal conversation. We all do. Your girlfriend lives in the corner apartment of Spook Central. It's got to be Ray. Ray it, stands. It is. It's Ray. I'm, ta- back, I'm taking my time this time. Back I'm not going to blow it. I've quit better jobs than this. Ghostbusters, what do you want? That's Janine. There you go. Janine Melnitz. All right. We're doing good now. Yeah. You don't act like a scientist. You're more like a game show host. That's Dana Barrett. Yes. The boys are back in town, Ray. I got it now. Yeah, now you're back on track. Here we blow go. it. All right. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. We came, we saw. That's Peter Venkman also. You are correct, sir. Don't cross the streams. <laughs> it would be bad. <laughs> that is Egon. Mm-hmm. Of course. There you, you know, go. I thought you said crossing the streams would be bad. And now you see why you got the first one wrong. <laughs> Those two go together. Ah. Okay, who brought the dog? <laughs> it's Lewis Tully. Yep. I, I, I love even more was it, his speech about the um, stuff that he has. He gets on discount. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, at the, the party. Yeah, he's yes. like, try the locks. I had it flown in from Nova Scotia yes. or whatever it is. Yeah, when he's talking about the guests and what they yeah. do. And, I only invite clients. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's tax write-off. You're, you got two questions left. All right. You I got to get, get one, one of them. Right. So, I tried to think of the most harmless thing, something I loved from my childhood. <laughs> Something that could never possibly destroy us, Mr. Stay Puffed. What did you do, Ray? All That's right. Ray. So we can get 90% if we All get right. this last one. Let's show this prehistoric bitch how we do things downtown. 
That is also Peter Venkman. Yes, sir. So you got nine out of ten. Yes, and I, I gotta say, it's really humiliating to get that first one Indeed. wrong. Boy, oh boy, that's terrible. I feel awful about that. I was way too confident. I think uh, you'll have to make up for that the next time. And in spite of my mild embarrassment, that was fun, right? So thank you for that. And now we'll be joined by a guest who will help us determine whether the 1980s was the best decade for ghost busting when Greg Forgetic, a real-life ghost hunter, joins us in studio right after this. Hey, this is Will. A brief show note before we get on with our interview with Greg Forgetic. I phoned Greg after our interview in the Rumpus Room to get some more detail about his most frightening ghost experience. So you'll hear me drop in that phone conversation at some point during the interview. And now, on with the show. Long before he was busting ghosts, our guest today served four years in the Air Force and 29 years as a police officer. Since 2013, however, he has been investigating the strange and unusual as a founding member of the Tri-C Ghost Hunters. Among his most well-known paranormal investigations, he conducts regular ghost hunts at the Mansfield Reformatory, the prison where Shawshank Redemption was shot. Please welcome Greg Fakedic. Thank you. Did I get it right? Yes, Fakedic. you did. That was perfect. <laughs> Very good. So I notice you refer to yourself as a ghost hunter, not a ghost buster. What's the distinction? Well, a, a lot of investigators don't even like the term ghost hunter because they say we do not hunt ghosts. We do not go look for ghosts to shoot them. Right. But, uh, uh, you know, it, uh, the general population is familiar with ghost hunter. Most investigators like to call themselves paranormal investigators. I compare it to a scavenger hunt, you know, uh, Easter egg hunt. See, I like that. It sounds a lot more fun that way. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to hunt and kill ghosts. You're right. seeking them out. And that's basically the definition of hunt is to seek. Right. Well, so. Uh, a bu- buster. I mean, th- that that was just obviously from from the movie sure. Ghostbusters. Let's bust these ghosts. You right. know, right? A, a play on uh, some type of exterminator. Correct. Uh, yeah. So I think we have to, since we were talking about Ghostbusters, uh, we have to dispense with some Ghostbuster questions. Don't get nervous. This is not what you think. <laughs> First, are you afraid of no ghosts? I'm not afraid of no ghosts. No, okay. I'm not. So now I have to parse out the negatives. You're not afraid of no ghosts. So you're not afraid of ghosts. And I know no. in your book, The Insights insights Into the Unknown, where you share a lot of your experiences, I appreciate a lot of the things that you tell about yourself. People should know that even though you believe in the paranormal and have since a young age, you go in with an open mind, it seems, in every investigation. Your, your first thought seems to be, what's the logical explanation? And not necessarily, this is a ghost. I appreciate that about you, and also appreciate that, you know, even though you say you're not afraid of ghosts, there's a very human element to how you tell these stories where you know you do have emotions and feelings and concerns and seem a little frightened at certain times about what you might find in that darkened corner. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's the unknown, and you're in a dark place, and there's a loud noise, or or you see something, yeah, you, you are going to jump. But I'm more afraid of the living <laughs> than well, ghosts, you know, and, and it's... Uh, like um, when I do my tours at the Ohio State Reformatory, I always tell people that there's three things in the prison that are that is more scarier than the paranormal. It's our cardboard cutouts. You know, oh. Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman, <laughs> as you're walking around the prison. You know, you, at, at night, you know, it's dark. You'll be coming around a corner, and there's a figure standing there. That'll scare the living daylights out of you. And we have bats. That will scare the crap out of you. And pigeons. Paranormal? Yeah. You know, you know what? You, you get used to it, and like I said, I'm more afraid of the the actual living than uh, what I can't see. What is the actual scariest investigation location you've ever been to? Uh, where I've had activity, and I was kind of nervous. Yeah. Uh, a place in uh, Atlanta, Indiana called the Rhodes Hotel. Uh, there's something about that location. It, uh, we've been there a couple times, and each time we go there, it's like... Uh, Everybody's mood changes. It's like people aren't who they normally are. I've seen just people just get into arguments. Uh, and I've had physical attacks there that weren't very pleasant. 
at the time, you could rent out the building for like the whole weekend. It was a historical building, but it was originally built as a hotel. And then during the 20s, 30s, it was a brothel and speakeasy. And I've heard, uh, you know, rumors and stories that there were murders and suicides there, too. Anyways, uh, the first time that we went there, we were investigating. Uh, my wife and I were up on the second floor. Uh, we were in one room uh, investigating, and we heard a noise down at the end of the hall. I told my wife, I'll go check it out. You stay here to investigate. So I went down the hall. Uh, we actually had a uh, stationary uh, video camera set up down there. Uh, I walked around a couple of the rooms, and then I went into this one room, which is called the Madame's bedroom. And I went in there, stood, quiet, not, nothing going on. And as I exited the room, I felt this burning, intense pain across my throat. It, it almost felt like I could have had my throat slashed. I screamed out. My wife came. And she kept asking me, what's going on? What's going on? And all I could do was just hold my throat with both my hands and gasp. I, I couldn't talk. Eventually, the, the pain subsided, and I told her what happened. You know, I don't know if I was feeling something that happened 80 years ago, or is the spirit of the madame there, and she was upset because I was in her bedroom, or what, what caused that? And those sensations were something that I never felt before and haven't felt since. But you, you know, it's being a paranormal investigator. That's what you that, that that's what you have to deal with. It's just like a police officer. You have to deal with stuff that you may not want to deal with it, but you have to. And you just keep going back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that's what we do. You know, when we hear a noise and everything, we don't run the opposite way. We run toward it. That would be me. I'd be running in the opposite direction. Well, at first you want to, you know, you want to do that uh, fight or flight. Sure. You're always like, you know, getting ready to turn the other way and go. But you're like, wait a minute, you know, I'm here for this. Let's find out what that was. Does busted make you feel good? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Busted makes me feel good, and the reason why it makes me feel good is because uh, we do a lot of private homes and businesses, and we help people. Inverse.com that did an analysis a few years ago as to the Ghostbusters business plan, which concluded it's a terrible business plan, of course. But in short, the main reason, and this will not, not surprise either of you gentlemen, is their business is based on something that rarely ever happens. Is there money in, in busting ghosts? No. We, we don't charge for anything. I mean, all of our equipment we pay for with our own money, our travel, if we have to spend night at hotels, you know, we do that on our own. We, we don't think it's proper for us to charge somebody. And it's just nice to help people who feel threatened in their homes or businesses right. where they don't need to be threatened. And a lot of the times it's because of movies and television that people watch and they take for reality. When Ghostbusters came out, do you think it affected the way people looked at actual ghost hunters or paranormal investigators in a good way or a bad way? You know, I, I think people found it, you know, entertaining. Um, I mean, it, um, I'm trying to, you know, remember the movie. It's been been a while <laughs> since I've it's, seen it's, it. And it's pretty silly. but Yeah, yeah, it, it it's is. A, it's and, a straight-up comedy. And obviously, you know, they got the demons and everything. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that people really believe in and really scares them is, you know, demons. And... uh you know, I know we're talking about the, you know, the, the Ghostbusters, but in, I believe it was 1973, a movie came out that really freaked people out. Seventy. Oh, this is a good trivia, right? Okay, uh, it's demon related. I, I think I'm it was 72, okay. 73. Possession right? was involved. Yeah, demonic possession. All right, I've got to guess. It's, it's probably The Exorcist, and that'd be my guess. Yes, yeah, Exorcist. The Exorcist. When that movie came out, people freaked. Um, oh, man, they were running out of the theater. They thought their homes were haunted. They thought they were possessed. And and since that movie, Ouija boards got a bad rap. Sure, sure. I remember you mentioning that in the book. And, you know, you make me think that how you, your, your quote, business model is, is just really out of the kindness of your heart and your interest that you help these folks. And I think about how Exorcist and movies like that and some other you know, more people that are on the shady side of this type of business seem to uh, create a market that doesn't have to be there. You know, you're saying... Yeah. And we've actually done cases where we've gone in and they had somebody else coming in prior to that 
saying that their house was a portal to hell. You need to sell it. You need to do this. And for this amount of money, you know, we can get rid of it for you. Hmm. And we go there, and it's like, there's nothing here. Everything that you're explaining to us has logical explanations. Is that sometimes good enough for people to uh, – because obvi- a great deal of this is perception. I mean some of these things may have these supernatural explanations as you find, but other things may be folks are just experiencing things in the way that frightens them. So when you are able to give them that comfort, is that, is that enough you find? Uh, sometime, a, lot, a lot of times it is. But there are some times where people want their house to be haunted so bad, believe it or not, <laughs> That they won't take our explanations. Why? <laughs> I have no idea. We're like, we don't care what you say. We know our house is haunted. Oh. Because I, I, they may be taking it as we're calling them a liar. Oh, I see. Right. You know what? We're not calling you a liar. We believe everything you're mm-hmm. telling us. We don't think that you're making this stuff up. But some of this stuff can have logical explanations. Right. Now, not all of it, but... Uh, you know, um, a lot, lot of it can because a lot of the stuff that people are experiencing are more feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, the feeling of being watched, or you know, the, having this paranoia, or knowing that there's something in the room, room with them, and that that can have lot logical explanations. Right. Yeah, and not to diminish um, anyone's health issues necessarily, but. As, as medicine, you know, advances and psychiatry advances, there are – I've had feelings of dread, whatever it is. But um, it, it seems that um, people may not even be aware of what the explanation is because it's something internal to them. Um, you're not a psychiatrist, so I don't expect you to – No, no. And, and actually, it, it, some, sometimes it is internal. You know, sometimes, you know, it's uh, – you know, we've had el- elderly people – that, you know, thought their house was haunted. We actually had one. She actually had her house out for sale. Hmm. And the stuff that she was telling us was just not making sense. Luckily, she had a family member there, so we were able to talk with the family member. But a lot of the stuff that really affects people is the external stuff. When we first go into a home, the first thing that we look for is a high EMF field, electromagnetic field. Everything throws off like this electrical field. And if it's high enough and steady enough, it can affect you. It can I cause you know, like paranoia, nausea. It can cause you to hallucinate, a, a lot, lot of things. And we've gone into homes. Uh, in fact, we just did a uh, business investigation uh, Monday night, and uh, there was a lot of EMF inside this uh, particular establishment. And... Most of the stuff that they had going on were the feelings, you know, the feeling of somebody standing behind me or seeing a shadow out of the corner of the eye. There, there, there was not, nothing set in stone like, you know, a, you know, a glass being thrown across the, the room or anything like that. It was just all internal feelings. Now, when you measure the EMF, I understand what you're saying about how these fields could create these types of feelings in, in people. Do you measure EMF, though, because it could also be an indication of something paranormal? There are people who do believe that, uh, and that's still that's theory. I use EMF the majority of the time. I use EMF to find a logical explanation for what mm. people are experiencing. If you're in a location, um, like let's say there's no electricity in the building you're in, and you've done a sweep and there's no EMF, and uh, you're investigating, and now some of your devices start going off after you're asking questions. There's a possibility it could be paranormal, but you also have to eliminate cell phones, uh, walkie-talkies, uh, radios, anything. I mean, it could be simple as a police car going by talking on a radio. That could set off uh, some of the EMF equipment. This makes me think that an increase in technology these days may lead to more folks thinking they have a supernatural issue. Homes are just loaded with electronics, more so now than decades ago. You would think there'd be maybe a spike at some point where it's related to what you're, you're explaining here. And, and, and it could be. And in the, th- I mean, we're we're a team that that will go in there, and if we discover high EMF, I mean, we, you know, most of the time you can pinpoint it to a certain device or, um, you know, a, a light switch or outlet or even water lines will throw off high EMF. Uh, but unfortunately, there are some people who, um, 
for for lack of understanding or training, when they go in and they see this high EMF, they immediately think that the house is haunted. And that's further from the case. And they, they can make it really bad telling these people, oh, my gosh, you know, you, you've got a lot, lot of spirits here. Now the people are freaking out. And right. it's, I mean, you, you have to know, you know, what can cause the, the EMFs. This reminds me of something I read um, <clears throat> where they were trying to use radios to contact spirits. Would that have anything to do with, like, what you're talking about? Um, I believe one of actually Aykroyd's grandfather or his father were um right so dan Aykroyd's family one of the reasons he wrote, wrote the ghostbusters was he has yeah a, his family has always been into ghost hunting and trying to contact spirits and they're spiritual mm-hmm. you know they believe in that would um the what is it emf emf would that be something he was trying to use the radio to try and pick up with um, no, he's probably trying to uh, use r- r- the the radio waves that are already in in, in the atmosphere, uh, such as uh, what we th- there's a device called a spirit box, right. and what that does that actually scans through all the radio stations, um, and then w- what the theory is is that they can use what's already out there to speak with you. Right. I mean, I I don't I don't use it a lot because. I've never had luck with it, and unless you've had an exact response at the exact same right. time, um, I've though um, I know of some people who they just play this machine, and whenever they get get a word, they they call it an e, what's called an EVP. When it's it's re- really not right, uh, and that'll be a Class C or, <laughs> or, or worse. Yeah, yes, exactly. And technically, it's not even an, an EVP. Um, and a lot of that, I was, I did do, I, did, I saw on the internet some folks using those and someone debunking those. That a lot of it relies on the listener, obviously, what you want to hear. Exactly. Um, so, uh, and again, I appreciate how skeptical you are for someone who hunts ghosts. Ray, Ray had a question, and it makes me think back when you were talking about um, uh, this being a hobby. What are the qualifications necessary oh, to be yeah. a? That was that was one hunter. of my other questions. Was in the movie, they're pro- college professors. But in your opinion, to become an actual Ghostbuster, if that was a real job, would it be more of a college education or would it be more of a trade school slash like police officer, you know, not a teacher, but an actual trade? Which do you think would be the direction you would go to become a Ghostbuster? Well, I mean, obviously, I, you know, I didn't do any of that. I I trained myself and I used... (laughs) my senses and uh, my logical thinking. Uh, and that, that's the big thing uh, when you're an investigator is to be very logical. Um, and I'm, I mean, you know, I've had people, you know, message me and say, hey, how do I, you know, get a degree in, in investigating? <laughs> well, there are no degrees. I mean, I, I know there are some sites where you can get a certificate, you know, that says you are a certified, you know, paranormal, <laughs> paranormal investigator, but sure. that doesn't mean I want mean to get it. one of those now. Yeah, I'm getting one. <laughs> we'll do that right after the show. <laughs> yeah. uh, that doesn't mean anything. Um, it's, you know, and I, I know they have courses of parapsychology and stuff like that. Psychologist is a, a big one. I've right. got a friend who's a psychologist who's an investigator, and he's written a couple books. And that that's what what he does, but obviously don't make any money off it, and that's not what we're here for. Um, I, most of the people do it uh, for training. I, I mean, that's where where they learn uh, with on the job training. You know, police officer on the job training. You learn by doing. So you would basically say it would pertain to the individual's um, desire whether they wanted to do it or not, yeah, yeah, as opposed to any kind of training they could actually take. Yeah, it, it's really, I, I mean, now my, my training, I've read everything I could get my hands on, everything. Right. I mean, there's tons of books out there for, like, how to investigate, and I've got tons of books at home, and I've read every one of them, and I take what I learned from those books into my investigations, and then I tweak it for, you know, what I think will work. And here's the thing. There's no experts in the field. Right. That's, yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it takes a lot of experience to do this. You know, you know, and I've been with investigators where they'll, they'll hear a noise 
And they'll be like, oh, my God, you know, did you hear that? That's going to be paranormal. I'm like, did you look outside, see if there was anybody talking? And we investigated this uh, one building, and they're like, yeah, we heard this woman scream. We looked outside. There was nothing. And I'm like, nah, it's, you know, most time you do not hear disembodied voices. And I'm like, there has right. to be a logical explanation. So I'm walking around, and I'm l- l- looking. This was a big place. It was like seven floors. And I look outside. And right below us, there's a bar that's open. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, people. It's like you got, you, you know, not everything's paranormal. And, right. you, you know, the more you do it, the more that you will learn. And uh, there are stuff that does happen that you cannot explain. Most of the stuff does have an explanation, in, in my opinion, and in my experience. Talking, going back to your trade question versus being a doctor, I want to point out that in the Ghostbusters, Winston Zedmore is the only character who doesn't have a doctorate in something. Also, again, tying this to Ghostbusters somewhat loosely, if, if only to crowbar it in, they ask Winston Zed, you know, the, the, this is his job interview. It consists of one question, Greg. I know you don't remember. And he's asked, do you believe in you? I'm going to ask you if you believe okay. in these things. Do you believe in UFOs, astral projection? mental telepathy, ESP, clairvoyance, spirit photography, telekinetic movement, full trans mediums, the Loch Ness Monster, and the theory of Atlantis. Are uh, there any of those you don't believe in? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think most of them I don't believe in, but, uh, you know, some of them I, I do. And you remember what uh, Winston's response is? I believe he says, I believe in anything as long as I get a paycheck. Yeah. He says, <laughs> yes, as long as there's a paycheck in it, I'll believe yeah. anything you say. Yeah. I, I would say, I guess if I had a class of myself as a believer or skeptic, I'd say skeptic. Um, but only because, like you, I lean towards the, you know, sort of Occam's razor theory of the easiest explanation is probably the one. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not to say, like Ray and I were talking earlier, that weird stuff hasn't happened where I don't know why. And maybe it's ghosts. And maybe ghosts is just another way of saying unknown. I, I know you mentioned in here about, you know, a UFO is just an, un, you, you talk about the definition of UFO, how the U is the, unknown part of it. Mm-hmm. And that gave me great comfort as a kid because so many things that I saw flying at first were, that's an alien coming to abduct us, later became, it's just that I don't know what it is. So maybe ghost could be that as well as sort of... I, I mean, and you know, nobody knows. In in my second book, I go through that. You know, what what is a ghost? What can they, they be? What do people believe that them to be? And I, there's like s- seven or eight uh, things that I, that I come up with that... Um, you know, we want them. We want them to be real because uh, it gives us comfort that there's a you know an afterlife, uh, or it's uh, you know it's a figment of our imagination, or there's just a bunch of different things. You know, it's a interdimensional being that can come back right. and forth. Uh, but here's the bottom line: is nobody knows. Everybody has their theories, and nobody's right and nobody's wrong until uh, until it's proved. And the only way that we're going to be able to prove that is uh, doing it scientifically. You know, science needs scientific proof that something exists. Um, Just like, you know, Bigfoot and UFOs and the Loch Ness Monster. Right. Uh, Even though there's tons of video and photographs and personal experiences, until you get that, that one piece of evidence that's indisputable, it's going to just be theory. You do remind me that those photos, you know, the, the, the fairy photos from many years ago, the Bigfoot, the Loch Ness, which have all been debunked since, mm-hmm. um, as a child, terrified me, you know, um, again, because I didn't know they were fake at the time. See, I had the opposite yeah. effect. Yeah, I was yeah. fascinated. Yeah. I wasn't terrified. I mm. wanted to go look for Bigfoot when I was a kid. Oh, man, I, I just loved it. And, and I'm... The Loch Ness Monster, my greatest thrill when I was a kid was sailing on Loch Ness and looking for the Loch Ness Monster. I finally got to do that. Wow. I, I finally got to tour Loch Ness and sail on Loch Ness. Didn't find Nessie, though. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, you know, none of this stuff scared me as a kid. Uh, I wanted to find it all. I mean, I wanted to go look for Bigfoot, you know. I I don't know why I thought this, but I'm like, oh gosh, I wish I was abducted. I'm thinking, it's like, why would why would I even think that? You, you know, but it's like because you just want to just want want to believe that right. you know this stuff is real, and 
you know, obviously a lot, a lot of these cryptids and stuff are not real, uh, but there are some that I believe are. Did you? Yeah. Did you? Um, talking about what ghosts are, what ghosts aren't, and and, and you said. Some people want it to believe it's true because of the comfort. Mm-hmm. Do you find that your religion, you don't have to go into what, what your faith or not, but that it's changed your view about the afterlife? No, no, no. I, I, I don't know what a ghost is or, you know, what, what it, I mean, what's going on? I mean, is it some unknown natural phenomenon that, right. you know, we can't figure out yet? Right. Again, so we say ghost and that what we don't. What is that necessarily? Go ahead. You got something? Yeah, let me go ahead and ask my question. This is my last question. Okay. Um, Ghostbusters, Poltergeist, and The Shining all came out in the 80s. Each one is, you know, obviously a horror movie. Poltergeist had some comedy horror, and then Ghostbusters is an actual comedy. Is there a decade that has three better horror movies as far as pop culture? And when you say better, do you mean necessarily reflective well, of I Greg's mean, experience um, or just for their... Well, in general, like, both Shining and Ghostbusters are in Library of Congress. Yeah. The, as cultural yeah, significance. The, the, so, the Shining is, is huge. And they all have that catchphrase that goes with the movie. You know, That's, they're, they're yeah. here. Yeah, and here's and Johnny. Here, and, yeah. yeah. And then uh, who are you going to call? I mean, right. there's not a personal live. It, right, that right. doesn't know yeah, if, if those you, three. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's other horror movies, but not, you know, in, in the decades. But th- th- those are very big movies. I mean, obviously, there's been other movies, but they're not as big. And right. these three are huge. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you really can't get any bigger than that as far as, like, a ghost movie. You, you know, uh, thinking about the EVPs in particular, I will say, like I said, I'm a skeptic. But that's not to say that your stories in the book did not creep me out entirely. When you're talking about capturing a voice, that's... I take you at your word. If you, if you oh, say yeah. you captured a voice on a video or, or on recorder or, or the glowing, the first story with the green ghost, I believe you. And so therefore, it's, it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and I do have all that evidence. I, Everything in my book, I can back up and show I don't want to see the evidence. <laughs> I don't want to know. So... And I did tell Greg off air not to tell me if the house is haunted, uh, where the oh, uh, I'm sure it's haunted, where the idiot's rumpus room is here. <laughs> we don't want to know. Thank you so much, Greg, for coming out. We certainly appreciate it, and it's been very informative. We appreciate your time. Well, yeah, thank I, you for yeah. having me. And if you need a paranormal investigator, who are you going to call? Greg Fakatic. Find out all about Greg and his fellow ghost hunters at tcghohio.org. So I, I think we. We've done what we usually set out to do. Yes, and I'm going to agree with you because you did get Greg to agree that the 1980s was the best decade for ghost busting. So, yeah, I think I win on this one. So, yeah, that's, yes, you win, as always. Um, And we'll see you next time on The Idiots. See ya. See ya.